listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. You know, for honest times like this, even as Christians, we could kind of wonder, where is God? Like, is, is he taking a nap or <laughs> did he forget we're out here? Um, it could seem like, does he, does he not care? Is he not interested? Like, like where, where is he? What's going on? It seems like he's kind of absent. And um, it's okay to, to wrestle with that sometimes. You always want to land on what is true, but it's okay to, to feel that and to wrestle with that and even have those thoughts. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian if that crosses your mind sometimes. Uh, the reality is that even the, the guys and gals who literally walked with Jesus wondered that sometimes, especially the, the 12 disciples. Um, they wonder that pretty often. Like, well, what is Jesus doing? Who is he? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite stories, if, if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it, um, is in the book of Mark. And I, I love it. It's in Mark chapter four. Uh, it starts in verse 35. Again, if you got your Bible, I'd love for you to join me in Mark chapter uh, four, verse 35. Jesus has been with his disciples and he's been out teaching the masses and teaching them about the kingdom of God and so many amazing things. And in Mark 4, verse 35, it says, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. So like I said, Jesus has been teaching and evening comes. He says, hey, let's get in the boat, guys. And we're gonna go across the Sea of Galilee is what he's talking about. We're going to cross the Sea of Galilee. Now, a few things uh, I think are helpful to understand the context of what's going on. So the boat they were in, most likely scholars would say, was probably, we're in West Texas, so we'll use yardage because we like football. So uh, it, the boat was about two yards wide and about um, 10 yards, there we go, 10 yards long. So this is not a tremendously large boat, especially when you think about how big the Sea of Galilee not just was, but is. It's still a real place. Uh, actually been there. It's pretty amazing. Um, at its longest point, the Sea of Galilee is around uh, 13, 14 miles, which is about the distance from where I'm at here at Southcrest, the distance from here to Buffalo Springs Lake. That's a long ways. <laughs> that's, a, that's not just a little playa lake. At its greatest width, the Sea of Galilee uh, is about the distance from here where I'm at, at Southcrest, out to Friendship High School in Wolferth, or even Evie Mays Barbecue represent, all right? Um, that's a big lake. That's, that's a big uh, body of water to be on in a pretty small boat with a bunch of dudes. At its deepest depth, the Sea of Galilee is about 140 feet deep. So again, not a little playa lake. This is a big body of water to be on. It says they head out uh, and 
they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I like to imagine that, you know, Peter's at the front of the boat and he's, he's playing Titanic. He's, I'm the king of the world, right? They're, they're having a great time out on the boat. Um, but you know, the interesting thing about being out on the water, I know we don't get to be out on the water much here in Lubbock, but some of you have been out on a boat or, or maybe even just to the beach and been swimming and stuff. Being out on the water, it can be kind of dreamy. It can be really fun, but it can like that become really, really dangerous. It says, Verse 37, they're out on the water and it says, and a great windstorm arose. Man, we don't know much about water in Lubbock, but we definitely know about wind. You know what I'm talking about? Yesterday was just nasty. The wind was blowing like crazy. And when it gets windy, it gets violent almost. And not just true here in Lubbock, it's still like that at the Sea of Galilee. The way the wind kind of funnels down through the hills around the Sea of Galilee onto the Sea of Galilee, uh, our guide a few years ago told us that even to this day, the way the wind funnels from the storm into this, or onto the Sea of Galilee, I should say, it can create waves up to eight feet high. That, that's terrifying. I think about, uh, a lot of y'all know, my wife and I both grew up in Florida and going and boogie boarding. I hope you know what that is. It's an awesome little board to get on and ride the waves. And man, even a little two foot wave, if you're not paying attention, can knock you over. So these waves, potentially, maybe even bigger, eight feet high. So this goes from a fun time across in the lake at evening, it's beautiful, it's nice, to now it's dangerous because a windstorm has arose. It says the waves were breaking into the boat. That's how we know these were big waves. It wasn't like, oh, cute little wave. No, these waves are breaking into the boat. So think about, man, they're, they're sailing across and now the boat is beginning to get turned around by the waves and going different direction and water's beginning to hit them in the face. And man, not every, all their belongings are beginning to get soaked with water. And maybe the little bit of resources or supplies they had on the boat is now sliding around as this windstorm is getting worse and worse. It'd be terrifying. The, the boards of the boat are beginning to creak under the pressure of the waves hitting and smashing into the boat. And you can imagine as the, the wind pushes them out into the Sea of Galilee, maybe they lose, I don't know, but I think it's safe to assume, maybe they begin to lose sight of the little villages and cities around the Sea of Galilee. One, because it's getting darker and they're getting further away, so they can't see the lights, but also maybe the wind is so big they can't really get their bearings for where they're at. And then it says, the end of verse 37, the boat was filling up with water. So this went from, man, this is a not a good situation to we could literally die out here. Our boat is filling up with water. I've never personally been in a situation where I thought I really, really, really made drown. Um, but I don't ever want to be. <laughs> Can't imagine how terrifying that would be. One thing to think you're going to drown in a pool, which would be terrible, but out in the Sea of Galilee where it's huge and you feel like the, the water could just swallow you up and swallow that little tiny boat, just swallow it right up. Now, what's interesting about this story, what I love about this story is we have to remember whose idea was it to go out on the Sea of Galilee? If I remember right, and look at the text, it was Jesus' idea to go on the Sea of Galilee. And if you look, He's not in the situation with him. You can imagine the disciples, they're on the deck of the boat, running around frantically, trying, hey, pass me that bucket. Let's scoop the water out. Let's get out of here. We, we got to keep the boat afloat. Get the water out. And they begin to look around, and Jesus, their leader, whose idea it was to go out on the Sea of Galilee, he had nowhere to be seen. <laughs> 
It says, verse 38, he was in the stern. I love this detail. He was asleep on the cushion. <laughs> Seriously, he's during the storm, and Jesus is not just sleeping. He's sleeping on a cushion. Like, he, he's, all, he's all cuddled up on a pillow while they're in the fight for their lives. Man, not cool, bro. <laughs> he's, he's sleeping. And it says, so they see him on the cushion. They woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So yeah, this is, they went to him not like you might go when you wake up your little kid and you know, it's Saturday morning and you want to wake him up for some pancakes or to go get some donuts. And so you go and you're like, hey buddy, time to wake up. This is a, bro, get up. We're, we're in the fight of our lives out here. We're fixing to die. Do you not care that we are perishing? Get up, bro. <laughs> Do you not care? Man, to, to have been there in that moment, Jesus, the God man, 100% God, 100% man, I think like a lot of us, uh, when we're startled out of sleep, it's not a good thing. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, when, when the alarm clock goes off, or your kids come in, or maybe storm, a storm wakes you up, uh, it's not a fun thing to be startled awake and you're groggy. So man, to have seen Jesus' face when he had been sleeping peacefully on the pillow and now they're shaking him to wake him up. Oh, and he wakes up and he's groggy. And I think what happened next, the disciples never forgot. <laughs> we can ask them when we get to heaven. Verse 39 says, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Man, can you see Jesus uh, getting off the pillow, maybe stretching a little bit, walking to the front of the boat. Now, as, as the waves are still crashing in, he's kind of wobbly walking because of the, the boat is rocking back and forth. Now, the, the water, maybe from rain, but at the very least from the waves, is dripping off his beard and dripping off, dripping off of his hair. And he walks to the front of the boat and points his finger in there and says, peace, be still. Now, commentators, many of them say that this, when he says peace, it's the imagery that uh, you can use for putting a muzzle on an animal. So this is not Jesus walking in the front of the boat and saying, peace, be still. <laughs> no. Jesus walks to the front of the boat and says, peace, be still. Quiet. Shut it. I like to imagine maybe he was, says he rebuked the wind and the waves. Maybe he was rebuking the wind and the waves because because of the wind and the waves, he had been woken from his sleep and he was not happy. Kind of like, I'm not happy when I get woken from my sleep. I may even try that with my kids. They're, they're both two. Next time they come into the room, I'm gonna say, peace, be still, y'all. <laughs> Anyways, uh, says he rebuked the wind and the waves. I, mean, I can just see the disciples, they're looking at him like, they've been trying to get the water out of the boat and they're looking at Jesus like, who are you talking to? What are you doing? And then the most amazing thing happened. The end of verse 39 says, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. <laughs> Jesus told the wind and the waves to shut it, to quiet, to be still, to stop. And the wind and the waves actually stopped. You know, I, I've kind of jokingly cr tried that and love it when the wind's like, you know, throwing your vehicle around the road and like destroying all your landscaping. Like wind, would you just stop? And I, I have no power. I, I got nothing. Jesus 
walks to the front of the boat and immediately like, immediately like that, the wind and the waves completely go calm. And then it says, verse 40, he said to them, he looks at them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, I don't know exactly how Jesus said that, the tone that he had, but I, I don't think he was angry at them. Uh, one, they hadn't fully seen exactly who he was up to this point. Um, and I think it was probably a pretty incredible moment. So I don't think he was, how dare you not have faith in me? I think he probably smiled, had a little fun and said, why are you afraid? Like, do y'all not get who I am yet? Do you still have no faith? Now, verse 41 is amazing. It says, they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, so they're kind of looking around, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Like he speaks and the wind listens. I, I can't always get my kids to do what I say. Jesus tells the wind and the waves what to do and they listen. And not just like eventually, they listen immediately and 100%. So they look at each other and say, who is this? Like, really, who is this Jesus? It's interesting. We know they were afraid just because of the circumstance. Anyone would be afraid. And then Jesus had asked them why they were afraid. But this is the first point in this text that the writer, Mark, tells us they were filled with great fear. The height of their fear, the, the most profound moment of their fear was not in the storm, but when they realized, or really you should say, began to wonder, who is this Jesus? See, that's really, I think, the tension of this passage. That's really the question of this text. Is who is Jesus that even the wind and the waves listen to him? They, they obey him. Who is he? You know, if the disciples could come and hang out on the couch with us, which that would be awesome, by the way, but if they could come and, and sit and they would tell you the rest of the story that's written in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that really answer the question, who, who is Jesus? I think they would tell you if they were here, they would say, man, after, after Jesus calmed the storm, we got to the other side of the sea. And immediately when we got there, there was a demon-possessed possessed man who was absolutely crazy. This wasn't just any demon-possessed man. This was like the worst of the worst. And Jesus had no trouble casting the demons out of him. And Jesus showed that even darkness cowers in his presence. Darkness trembles before him. Man, who is this man? They would tell you that they saw Jesus not just calm the water, but they saw Jesus walk on the water. Not because it was frozen, not because he had some cool jetpacks on his feet. No, he literally walked on the water. They would say, we saw Jesus make the blind to see. We saw him make those who couldn't walk, they could walk. The deaf could hear. They would tell you that we even saw Jesus raise a man from 
the dead, Lazarus. It, it was crazy. He, he was dead. Like, dead is dead. Like, this dude was stank. He was stinking because he was dead. And Jesus rose him from the dead, raised him up from the dead, whatever the correct English is there. <laughs> Incredible. So I'm doing so many things. And then the weirdest thing happened. Like, it was this upward trajectory of, man, maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe there's something special about Jesus. And then hit a brick wall. Leave it to religious people. Jesus was in Jerusalem and the religious people were threatened by his teaching. He taught with this amazing authority and they were threatened by his teaching. He was a threat to their power and, and their rule and their influence. So they had him arrested. It was a joke of a trial. He began to be beaten, tortured. And then we saw him crucified, stretched out on a cross, his, his hands nailed to the cross and his feet nailed to the cross. This upward trajectory of, man, who is this Jesus? Just fell flat. Couldn't make sense of it. Like he had done all these miracles and then he allowed himself to be arrested and crucified and actually died and was put in a grave. <laughs> but let me tell you, whatever questions we have, whatever doubt or uh, uncertainty we had about who this Jesus was, it was all put to rest. When three days after he had been crucified and murdered, brutally murdered and put in a grave, three days later, he rose from the dead. <laughs> that's what the disciples would tell you. And that's what I'm going to tell you. Jesus rose from the dead. That made him walking on water. That made him calming the wind and the waves seem like child's play. He had defeated death, hell, and the grave. And our greatest enemy, Satan, the enemy, Satan. Jesus had defeated him. In rising from the grave, Jesus showed that he is the absolute Lord of all. That's who this Jesus is that can even calm the wind and the waves. He's not just a good teacher. No, he is totally in control. He's not just a pretty good guy. No, he is God himself. He's not just somebody who lived 2,000 years ago. He is the savior of the world. That's who he is. That's the one who calmed the wind and the waves. And I want to tell you, church family, because Jesus is Lord of all, you have nothing to fear at all. Because he's Lord of all, you have nothing to fear at all. Doesn't mean we're not concerned. Doesn't mean we're not cautious or careful or responsible. We don't have to live in fear because Jesus is Lord of all. It means even with this whole COVID-19 stuff, Man, he's still in control. He's still the Lord. And we don't know why he hasn't chosen to, but we know that because he's Lord of all, he could speak. Or I guess that was a snap. <laughs> he could say the word and this storm would cease. He hasn't chosen to do that yet, so we're going to trust he's still at work and doing something. 
You know, maybe you're having a storm with your family. Jesus is still Lord. He can calm that storm. Maybe because of the coronavirus or maybe it's just already been happening, maybe you're kind of in a financial storm right now. Jesus could calm that storm. This is not health and wealth that he'll make you rich, but have you asked him to, to calm that financial storm you're in? Maybe it's not something like tangible that you can see. Maybe the storm you're facing is right here. <laughs> we all face storms like that sometime. sometimes. Of anxiety, depression, worry, stress, wondering who you are. Jesus could say, peace, be still, and calm the storm in your head and in your heart. Maybe it's a relationship storm. I don't know what it is, but I know that because Jesus is Lord of all, you have nothing to fear at all. And that doesn't mean that everything's gonna work out just how you wanted it to. Jesus was always surprising the disciples. It doesn't mean it's gonna always work out or play out exactly how you hoped. But because he's the Lord of all, it doesn't mean you can trust him and lean into the fact that he's good and he's got you and that his plans are best. Speaking to plans, maybe you're like, you know, I had this master plan for my life and now because people are being laid off and the economy's going down and I can't get out and see my friends, whatever, it feels like this master plan has fallen apart and I don't even know what the master plan is, which way I'm going. I would encourage you to relax because as Dr. Kent Edwards says, the master is the plan and Jesus is Lord of all. You have nothing to fear at all. You know, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, when we can't see the hand of God, which kind of feels like right now, can't exactly see what God's doing. When we can't see the hand of God, we must trust the heart of God. We can't see the hand of God, we must trust the heart of God. You may still be like, well, what, what exactly does that mean? How can I trust the heart of God? I would tell you the heart of God is best seen in the cross of Jesus Christ. That the one who calmed the sea is the one who came to save you. The one who calmed the sea is the one who came to cover your sins. That God is a God worth trusting. He's the only God. His name is Jesus. We can trust him. You can't see the hand of God. You can trust the heart of God. And the heart of God is proven in the cross. So believers, I want to encourage us today, if we think about who Jesus is, um, to choose to live in awe and wonder of who he is, that he's the Lord of all. A healthy perspective of your savior will free you from an unhealthy view of your situation. A healthy fear of your savior will, help, will free you from an unhealthy fear of your situation. Man, I wanna, I wanna have an awe, a worship, a fear of who Jesus is. And man, he's my savior, he's my Lord, I can trust him. To free me from a fear of what's going on around me. So the call to believers this morning, I'm gonna give us some more application here in a minute, but the call to believers this morning is to fix your eyes on Jesus. To remember that if you're a believer that Kind of metaphorically speaking, you're in his boat <laughs> and you can trust him. He's a really good captain and he's not abandoned you. And he actually, he does care. You don't have to ask Jesus, do you care? Do you see? No, he cares. He sees. Again, the proof of that is the cross. If you don't know Christ this morning, 
And the cool thing is that while the gospel is exclusive, it's only for those who come to Christ, it's inclusive in that anyone can turn to Jesus for salvation. So whether you're sitting in your living room or um, again, driving, listening, or uh, maybe you're prepped, maybe you're at the grill getting uh, lunch ready, man, you can know Christ today by placing your faith and trust in him. It says that whoever believes in Christ and confesses him in Lord, as, as Lord will be saved. So believe it, man, I'm a sinner. I'm a, I'm a broken person. I need the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus. And I believe that he purchased that salvation for me on the cross. He paid the price on the cross and he rose again from the grave, conquering death, conquering sin, offering me forgiveness and hope and life in him. This morning, you can, you can turn to Christ for salvation even today by just saying, Jesus, I know I need you. I'm broken. I wanna trust you with my life. I wanna turn from my sin and turn to you and ask you to be the Lord of my life. You're already Lord of all. I'm gonna begin to submit to it. <laughs> and you can know him today. And if you're making a decision like that or any decision, or maybe you want some prayer, I'm gonna encourage you, to, if you're on the southcrestlive.tv website to click on the chat button and there's also a communicate button there. Um, uh, our connect button, I should say. And then just connect with somebody. We have several hosts there, several pastors online that would love to answer any questions you have, maybe pray with you, um, maybe even shoot you an email or give you a call later this week to talk about the decision that you are making or maybe that you would like to make after you have a few questions answered. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing a little bit of a song after I pray. And then once we're done singing that song, I wanna come back to you real briefly and just give you kind of four things to consider and really you could say talk about with your family and your friends this morning, um, and then we'll be through. So if y'all would pray with me, and then we're gonna sing a little bit of this song before we close. Jesus, thank you that you are the Lord of all, and that because you're Lord of all, we have nothing to fear at all. And God, I pray that we would begin to have a healthy view of you that would enable us to be freed from an unhealthy view of our situation. Jesus, we love you and just ask that as we sing, um, man, that our hearts would be stirred towards you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you do care. And thank you that we can trust you. It's your name we pray, amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.